Well, tonight at 6 o'clock, I'm going to be continuing in the, the Jonah study. For any of you who are looking for a Bible study that's uh, a little more depth than we're able to bring and time-wise on Sunday morning. So it'll be the second week of a four-week study in the book of Jonah. be doing chapter 2 if you want to read up this afternoon. Come on out at 6 o'clock, and there's no music, worship, there's no like ministry time. It's just a Bible study. So if that's something that sounds good to you, then come on out. Uh, also, Tuesday night at 8 o'clock, we will have a prayer meeting this week. I told you all about it last week, and then it got really, really cold on Tuesday, didn't it? We don't cancel things around here very often, but it was cold on Tuesday. But this Tuesday night, and uh, essentially every Tuesday night, we have a gathering of just really open to anybody. It's 8 o'clock, and it's a free-flowing time of, of worship and prayer. And uh, it's really a great way for you to kind of find yourself in your prayer style and your worship style in there. And you can come and go as you please. Sometimes it's 8 to 9, sometimes it's 8 to 10.30. And, but nobody, like, nobody, it doesn't matter if you come and go, and uh, you're really just very, very, very free to do that. So that's this, uh, this Tuesday night at 8, and uh, pretty much every Tuesday night at 8. We'd love to have you come. Psalm 150 says, Praise the Lord. I said Psalm 150 says, praise the Lord. (laughs) Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him with the the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and the lyre. Praise Him with tambourine and dancing. Praise Him with the strings and the flute. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Want to continue this week in the second message in a series of six called uh, Living Your Best Life. We get one shot at life. We seem to have a substantial amount of control over how we live that life. Yeah, we don't have absolute control. Some things are not in our control. But we have a lot of control, a lot of decision-making power in how we live our lives. And so I, I, I just felt drawn to take some time in the scriptures and isolate six qualities of living that will launch us toward that best end of possibilities for ourselves. Because you want to live your best life, don't you? You don't want to live your worst life. You don't want to live a mediocre life. You want to live your best life. Last week I recommended to you that the first quality of living in order to begin living our best life is to have a life that's defined by prayer. That part of the call of God and the opportunity we have through Son Jesus Christ is to develop an ongoing relationship with God. It's called communion with God. And have an ongoing conversation and so that our prayer life, when, when really consistently attended to, develops to that where you, have, you can hear the voice of the Lord in your life and he can direct your paths. And the Bible says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. And so the first, first step, if you will, or the first part of living your best life is to give yourself to creating this discipline, this consistent lifestyle of prayer in your life So that you have that conversation with God going. It's not just a resource for the day of trouble, but it's an ongoing conversation reality in your life, and he actually directs your steps, and you'll be moving toward the best part of your life. Some of you you, uh, worked on the takeaway that we gave out last week. Uh, One of the things I'm doing with this series 
is uh, every week uh, at the back door, uh, you'll be offered one of these. You don't have to take it. But uh, it's just a, a takeaway and has a few things for you to do during the week to build on the principle or the quality that we just talked about. And also a few things to do during the week to kind of prepare your hearts for, for the next step. So we'll be continuing to do that today. But today I want to move on to step number two, if you will, or quality number two. And in addition to your life being defined by prayer, you want your life to be powered by praise. You want your life to be actually powered by praise. The second essential quality necessary to launch you into the best version of yourself is to develop a consistent lifestyle of praise. Consistent lifestyle of praise to God. And when you do that, you will release, you will experience a release of God's power. That God visits praise throughout the scripture and throughout our experience. That the more uh, authentically and passionately we praise him, the greater release of God's power we see. And so what I'm saying is that when you learn to develop and, and, and integrate into your life a lifestyle of praise to God, where your heart is continuously celebrating the name of God, then what you see is a response from him, and that's the release of power. And so that's why I'm suggesting that the second thing is for your life to be powered by praise. But don't take my word for it. Let's take the Word's word for it in Psalm 150, okay? Psalm 150 in your Bibles, if you have it, turn there. If you're new to the Bible, it's going to be just about almost smack dab in the middle. So that'll help you. Psalm 150, it's the last psalm of the book of Psalms. The last, 150th of 150. We don't know who wrote it. We don't know when it was written. We don't have any real information about the context of the psalm. All we know is that it's about praising God. It's part of the last five psalms, this 146 through 150, those last five psalms come really as a group. And if you look at them, each one of them begins with the same phrase, praise the Lord, and it ends with the same phrase, praise the Lord. So those last ones are about praising the Lord. And um, this one in particular, this last one, it's just, it's off the chart. Praise God stuff, praise God stuff. And 13 times in six verses, the word praise is used. So very generous. So it's really a good place for us to go to talk about having our lives powered by praise and asking God to you know, reveal the meaning of his word to us. So, Father, we do pray that you would reveal the meaning of your word to us now. That you would come and, you know, my thoughts are, are, are so limited in what kind of value they could be to people. But your thoughts are unlimited. Your thoughts are eternal. And your thoughts are marvelous. And so let's relinquish this time over, Lord, and use my mouth. I pray that the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth, Lord, would be acceptable to you. And that you would find use in them in, in meeting these people that you love so much. In the name of Jesus, amen. So Psalm 150, I think, in a way, it focuses on five questions about praise. And the first is the question, what? What is praise? What what are we even talking about here? Well, it's answered in the first half of the first verse, where it says, praise the Lord. That really answers the question of what praise is. Praise the Lord. This, This English phrase, praise the Lord, as many of you already know, is a translation of the actual Hebrew word, hallelujah. Praise the Lord comes from hallelujah. So hallelujah is a Hebrew word. And, and it means praise the Lord. It's a compound word, meaning it has two distinct parts. Hallelujah and? Come on. Hallelujah and? Oh, don't say yah. Say hallelujah. Yah! Ready? Hallelujah. 
There you go. Now you're getting it. And the reason is, is because the first Hebrew word, hallelujah, that means praise or give praise to, render praise to. The second word, yah, is an abbreviation for the most commonly used name for God in the Old Testament. That's Yahweh. Sometimes we say Jehovah, but it's more accurately translated Yahweh. And so when it says hallelujah, 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 praise the name of God. Praise the name of God is what it means. It means praise the name of God is what this word really means. Literally, praise the name of God. And this helps us understand what praise is. It's simply extolling his name. It's celebrating his name. Has absolutely nothing to do with anything he's ever done. It's simply finding it in yourself by intention to celebrate the fact that God is, that God is great, that God rocks, that God is over you, that God is. Whether you've ever had any experience with him or not is irrelevant to praise. It's about it's about extolling the name of who he is. So praise is the act of intentionally celebrating the realities of who God is. That's what praise is. It's intentionally celebrating the realities simply of who God is. Brings us full circle to a conversation that we started a few weeks ago about the important biblical distinction between thanksgiving and praise. Some of you may remember Thanksgiving is expressing our personal gratitude to God for any of the things he has done for us in our lives. Some of us have had experience with God, haven't we? Has God ever answered a prayer of yours? Then you have experience. Have you ever come to Christ and become a Christian, been saved? Then you have experience with God. And so you have some list. Maybe you wish it was longer. Maybe you wish God were more responsive to your requests. But you have some list of of things that you for which you can be thankful, that you can express gratitude to God. That's what thanksgiving is. By contrast, though, by contrast, um, praise is a matter of simply extolling or celebrating God simply for who he is, regardless of whether you think he's ever done anything for you. So you see, praise, there's no experience necessary. With thanksgiving, Experience is required. You must have had some kind of encounter with God. You know, you look at dots that have sort of coincidentally connected in your life, and you go, I think God was about that. Has anybody ever had that experience? It's like, that's way too much coincidence for that to be coincidence, right? Yeah. And so you you say, that was God at work right there. That was God at work. And so for those things, you're thankful. And so you need some database, some, some substance to bring to God in order to Render thanksgiving. But not so with praise. Praise is just because he is. I mean, you're here because you believe that God is. Am I right? You know, why would you come to church if you didn't believe that there's a God? So just because you believe there's a God, just because you're persuaded in your heart that there is some kind of a God over the no matter what you think next, you're ready to praise him. You're ready to praise him. You're ready to celebrate his name. You're ready to celebrate his name. So you see how praise is just completely disconnected from circumstances in our lives. Thanksgiving is connected to circumstances. And you could be going through the most horrendous time in your life, and you're not feeling much like thanking God right now. Although I'm sure if you look, there's something to thank God for. But I understand. I understand that that point of view. But in any and every circumstance, we can praise him because of his name. Because what this word hallelujah means literally is praise or celebrate the name of God. And his name is unchanging and is abiding. 
And his name is open to praise in any and every circumstance that we could ever face. So that's what praise is. Let's just start there. The next question this Psalm 150 uh, provides an answer for is, well, where do I do this praise thing? Where do I intentionally celebrate the name of God? And uh, the rest of verse 1 says, Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. So praise him in his sanctuary. Now, depending on when this psalm was written would, would determine what the psalmist meant by that. If it were David or before, if it was David or before, it would have been a reference probably to the tabernacle because the t- temple hadn't been built yet. But if it was Solomon on, probably would have been a reference to the, to the, to the temple. But there's an understanding here that you should come together, the people of God should come together in a holy place, they called it, a holy place, and render praise to God. Give praise to God. The Bible says, come before him with joyful songs. Render praise to God. And um, uh, really, the, uh, uh, a fair translation of the Hebrew here would have been praise God in the holy places. So it's really, it's really wherever people come together. Now, in the context of the church, I mean, some churches have holy space. You know, that's fine. I don't, I don't judge that. We're not very good at having holy space, are we? I mean, <laughs> this room, for example, I mean, here we are praising God, and cool things are happening, God's moving, and we can get really close and intimate with God on Sunday. Well, tomorrow night there'll be volleyball in the same room, right? And so it's like, it's, so we're not committed to it in that way. But when you come together, people, when you come together and bring your faith, Jesus said, where two or more gathered in my name, what? Bam, I'm there. I'm there. So the Bible's saying, where do you render this praise? Come together and praise God. Come together. When you come to this place, praise God. Plan to praise God. Do not withhold your praise from God. Well, I don't feel like it. Well, that's too bad. The Bible says praise God when you come together. You say, I don't feel like it. Bad things are happening in my life. Remember, praise is not connected to the good or the bad things in your life. Praise is because God is. And God is on every single day of your life. So come on in this place and let it go. Praise God. But it also says praise Him in His mighty heavens in this verse. That means outside, among his, under His mighty heavens. Um, another translation of this is in the mighty expanse. So what the Bible is saying is where do you praise Him? You praise Him when you come together in the holiness of a gathering like this. But you also just praise Him out there, just in the serendipity of the moment, in the moment of, of a beautiful sunset or whatever it is that just gets you going. Praise Him in the expanse. It says, praise Him inside, praise Him outside. Praise Him in the holy places, praise Him in the ordinary places. That there's no bad place to start praising God is what that means. Okay? Yeah. Praise Him when the baby's born. Praise Him at the funeral home. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Bottom line. And you know what? It's in your nature to praise God. You want to do it. That's why you're here. You want to do it. I know you fight it. I know. I do too. You want to praise God. You want to cut loose. I know you do. I know you do. I know. And I want you to think about this. I want you to think about every objection that you may develop for not praising God. And I want you to carefully examine that and see how in every case the devil's involved in that somewhere, that objection. What would people think? Ask the devil. Who the heck cares, right? (laughs) What would God think, right? 
well, what if I just feel like a fake? That's just the devil just working in your head. It's in you to praise God. It's in you to praise God. Okay? And you never have to wait for a formal place or appointed time. Third question this psalm deals with is why? Why? For what? What should we praise God for? What's this about? Well, verse 2 says, Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him because He has power. And you may say, hey, now wait a minute, that sounds like thanksgiving if we're going to praise Him for His acts of power. But notice there's no specific power referenced here. He doesn't say praise Him for parting the Red Sea or consuming the altars of Baal on Mount Carmel. <coughs> What he's saying is that, thank you very much. Um, what he's saying is that, you know, God has acted powerfully, and so that shows us that he's a God of power. So praise him for his power, excuse me. Anybody else? Um, so praise him for his acts of power. And, uh, and then he goes on and says, praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him because he's great. For crying out loud, people, he's God. He's God. He's God of the universe, and he has a personal love interest in you. That's great, isn't it? So praise him, the Bible says. Praise him. Praise him. The bottom line is that there's always plenty to praise God for. The true heart of praise is just praising God for his greatness, just because of his infinite greatness. And the sooner you get free from confusing thanksgiving with praise then the sooner, the sooner you will experience a release of his power. It's kind of a grand paradox here, really, that the sooner you move on from thanksgiving, say, oh, I don't even be thankful for it. ain't nothing happened in my life, to, to praise, you move from that to praise and just say, God is, I'm going to cut loose and I'm going to praise God. The paradox is, is that the sooner you do that, the sooner you'll have something to be thankful for. Because as you praise him, the Bible shows us and our experience has shown that he releases his power. So as you praise him, his power comes and suddenly you have something to thank him for. I got to tell you about something that happened last night. Yeah, so earlier this week, Monday, my day off, we were working out on our house and we were doing a project that required some heavy lifting and I did it and I hurt my back. Putting in a cast iron porcelain sink. You know, these things weigh 150 pounds and they're like, I can do this, I don't need help. And, you know, and then it was, oh, son of a motherless goat, you know, I mean, it's like, I couldn't hardly move. And, and so all week long, I was, I was on the couch, you know, just doing what I had to. And it hurt back. You've had these kind of back injuries, haven't you? Where, you know, if you sit still enough, it doesn't hurt so bad. It just kind of aches. But as soon as you move, and you try to move, through, like, so I'd have Karen come and help me up. It was pathetic, right? So I went to the doctor, you know, and then I had one of my good friends of faith pray for me on two occasions, on Thursday and on Saturday. And it hurt all week. It didn't stop hurting. It didn't start, it didn't start hurting less throughout the whole week. And I'm like, I, wonder, I really wondered, maybe I've, like, you know, blown a gasket back there or something. And I, you know, maybe this is going to be one of those bad ones. Because it wasn't getting any better. My friend of faith who goes to this church, I won't say his name, but um, expected me to right there, didn't you? Um, he said to me yesterday when he prayed for me yesterday morning, he said, you're healed. He says, go and receive. He says, as you go, you'll receive your healing. And I thought, okay. And I was believing. I really was. But I was still hurting bad, right? And so all day long yesterday. Last night I'm in here. And about 9 o'clock, the last person left here. So I was all by myself. 
by myself. I love being in this building by myself. When nobody's looking, I can lock the front doors, and even if you have one of those security fobs you can't get in, I lock the door, and I just cut loose. I mean, I got down with Jesus, you know what I mean? We had us a great time last night. And I, and I just praised him, praised him, praised him, praised him. Went home, sat down. Before I went to bed, I thought I'd watch a little football. And I sat down there, and I went, my back doesn't hurt. My back does not hurt. I don't mean it feels better. I mean, it's zero. It's zero. It's zero. It's zero. Now, it went. It went from, Karen, would you help me out of this chair, please, to zero. You wonder, why is that old guy jumping up here today, right? I'll tell you why this old guy is jumping. Because in praise, the power is released and he healed my back. That's why. Now, I'm saying that as you learn to praise God, get beyond the Thanksgiving issues and just praise him. Just raw praise him for who he is. Then you're going to get some stuff to thank him for too, right? Is that making sense to anybody? Okay. Next question is how? How do you praise him? Well, this, this psalm is very generous with ideas. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with the strings and the flute. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. That's a lot of stuff. And basically, it says, if you can make noise with it, use it. And praise him. Praise him. And notice all these things are references to celebration. If you can make noise with it and celebrate the name of God, do it. The Bible says make a joyful what? Anybody know this one? Make a joyful noise to the Lord. I'm really glad. You don't have to be musical. You don't have to be melodic. You just have to be noisy. But you see, what does it say? And it says, come before. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. So what this is saying is you can't really effectively think your praise to God. Some of you are a lot of thinkers, I know. So we're standing up here, to the one, you're thinking it. I probably, mm, mm, mm. Some of you are thinking harder these days, I realize. Mm. This stuff's got to get out. This stuff's got to get out. And you want it to get out. I know you do. You want it to get out. The bottom line of this psalm is that really any way you can make some noise in praising God. Okay. Last question this answered is, is well, who should praise God? Who should praise God? Well, let's look at verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let's do the test. Hold your hand up in front of your face. Blow. Did you feel that? Did you feel that? Did anybody feel something when you did that? You qualify. You have breath. Praise God. Oh, I'm in a really bad place. You have breath. Praise God. Praise God. You have breath. Here's what happens. Developing a lifestyle of consistent praise to God is another step toward being restored to your intended place in the created order. It's... It's the purpose of God for us to praise him. We were created for some things. Actually, what you're going to see in this series is all six of these things that launch us to the best part of our life, to the best version of our life, is a restoration 
of what God meant for us in the creation. And last week we saw God meant for us fellowship, right? Sin came in and broke that. But the redemptive work of Christ on the cross mends that gap. It mends that relationship. So through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can have conversational prayer with God again. That's restored. Fellowship with God is restored. And that launches us toward the best version of our life. Praise was broken. And the redemptive work of Christ invites us to take the place of being praisers of God again. That's why you want to do it. And that's why you can say that every objection you have to becoming a more exuberant worshiper from your heart is you can link the objection to the work of the enemy because he doesn't want you to take your place. He's trying to rob you. And this is why it releases power, is because you were meant, as we'll see in this series, to have dominion. That's part of the created order. You're meant to have dominion, power. Those gods is broken, broken by sin, restored by Christ. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 says it this way. Hey, read it out loud if you can see it. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So the difference, once you weren't a people of God, now you are. Why? Because you didn't experience mercy yet, now you have. That the redemptive work of Christ on the cross is the provision of mercy for us that causes us to be the people of God. And now we are not a lost people, but we're a royal priesthood, right? A chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. What for, you ask? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. The purpose of your salvation is so that you praise God. And take your place, resume your place in the original intention of God. This is making sense to 15 of you, isn't it? Could revolutionize this place. Okay. So the last question on your mind, I can just feel it in the room, is simply this. Okay, I'm in. So how do I do this praising thing? I'm not going to come up on the stage and jump. And I'm not going to jump no matter how much you yell at me, Tom. I am not going to jump. What are we talking about here? Well, first, let's realize that the Bible says that this praising thing is meant to be done both in public and in private. Start there. That the public is this kind of thing, gathering of believers, any gathering of believers. doesn't have to be this gathering of believers. If you're calling on the name of Jesus together, praise him. You're called to praise him. So that's public. Private is really anything else. You could be in your car, you could be in your house, you could be on a break at work, you could be anywhere and uh, able to do this. I'm going to give you five ways to things for you to do to, to uh, praise him in public and then in private. First, make the decision that you want to praise God. Just decide. I want to praise God. You say, but I don't feel it. Well, I didn't ask you that. Just make a decision. Just say, okay, the word makes sense. Tall, bald guy makes sense. He's revealed the word. Power of the Holy Spirit, I get that. So I want to praise God. And just make that decision and tell him about it. When you come into this place, come into this place and walk in and go, God, I want to praise you. I don't know if I feel like it or not, but I want to praise you. No matter what your present circumstances are. In fact, probably better, the worse your circumstances, the more important it is to make that decision, right? Okay, so make the decision. Second, listen to what's being offered as a basis for praise. So we always have a band up here. That's some music. And what, what I want you to think about is that you're, you're, you're a welcomed guest at a table that's been set for you. Okay? Because what's happened is the worship leader and the band, you know, 
some kind of relationship that they have with one another and the Holy Spirit has come to the arrival that these are the songs that we're meant to sing today. These aren't just pulled out of the air. Hey, we haven't done this one in a while. Let's throw that one in. We pray about these things. We get direction from God. It's important to us what songs we sing and how we sense the Lord maybe, maybe wants to use them. So what I want you to think about is you are a cherished guest at a table that's already been set for you. It's like it's like Karen coming to our house for Thanksgiving, right? She makes all the stuff. It's all there. It's all there. Maybe some brings this or that, but mostly it's all there. All the big stuff's there, and up to 24 people our family is now. They come over, and they're guests, but they're welcomed guests. They're cherished guests. They're not reluctant guests, right? They come in, and they eat things vigorously, right? <laughs> well, that's what Sunday is. That's what worship is. Someone else has done this work of setting the table, and so your job is when, when it starts, it's for you to look and see what's on the table and find something to connect with. That's the next thing. Find something to connect with. Find something that's being offered to which you can personally connect. Okay? Try to get past the worship leader. Try to get past the band. Try to get past the music. Try to get past, you know, the bowls. This is, this is the bowls that the stuff is offered in. You really leave a, a dinner going, boy, those were crappy bowls, weren't they? Man, food was great, but those were the crappiest bowls I've ever seen. These are, this is the bowl. These are the vessels. What you're looking for is what's being offered that you can connect to. Maybe it's a phrase, and it just stirs. It just resonates. I love that song we sing, Nothing But the Blood. And whenever we get to that phrase, welcomed as the friends of God, it just does. It just, tears me apart every single time that I get to be a friend of God after all I've been. Thank you, God. And you look for that. And I want to promise you this. You won't find something in every song. Why is that? Look around this place. You're not the only one here. I don't know if you noticed that. But it isn't all about you, right? There's a lot of diversity in this room right now. If you just look, if you only knew. And so... The challenge as worship ministry is say, how can we set a table that, is, that something is there for every person? So if you know, a song is being sung and you're just not feeling it, what that is is somebody's just handing you the sweet potatoes and you don't like sweet potatoes, all right? So just pass it on. Don't sit there going, boy, sweet potatoes, are you, are you freaking serious? Sweet, I don't even like it. Just pass it. Somebody's waiting for the sweet potatoes while you're standing there, all right? Pass it and, and, and ask for the stuffing to come. But find something that you can connect with. Find something that you can connect with and, and uh, just let it work inside you. And then four, bring an expression of praise from the inside to the outside. You've got to let it out. You've got to let it out. You've got to let it out. You've got to get past thinking your praise. I don't think that's a nothing. I just think that there's a lot more waiting for you in the release of God's power. I mean, if you look at the Bible and you see that the most exuberant praisers like David were the ones who experienced the most manifest power in their lives, right? All right. So you've got to get it out. My dear friend, Denny Tatman, who used to be pastor here before he, associate pastor before he went and planted the church in London, he used to say about worship, he says, now it's time to get jiggy, right? I thought that was pretty good for a white guy, actually. You know, he said, now it's time to get jiggy. Say, now it's time to bring it out. Now it's time to get down, get down with Jesus, right? Come on. Now it's time to let it out. The God of the universe says, I would, I would love for you to dance in my field. Go. Now, I'm not much of a dancer. I can scarcely jump. But you let it out is the point, right? 
Let it out. And remember that it's your expression. This is so key. I'm inviting you to make it your expression. Don't copy somebody else's expression. Find your own expression. And maybe you're saying, you know, do I have to sing loud? I don't know. Are you loud? Are you a loud person? What do you do when the Buckeyes score? What do you do? Okay, well, if you go, ah, you throw the popcorn and all that stuff, and you come in here and think you praise, you know what the Bible calls that? Hypocrisy. What the, when, what the Bible calls when you're one way in one place and another way in another, they call that hypocrisy. If it's in you to celebrate, then isn't God worthy of it? Bring it. It doesn't have to be. Do I have to raise my hands? I don't know. That was a real slow burn for me, I'll tell you what. On my journey of faith and watching people getting in a group that was raising their hands, of what in the name of Sandy Patty are these people doing in here? But I've got to say, the more I hung around it, the more I felt like, I think, I think that it might be in me. And so it just kind of went, uh, you know. You're on a journey, but let something out. Do I have to get all emotional? I don't know. Do you get emotional? Then, see, make it your expression. Make it your expression. Do what is in your heart to do, but I ask you two things. One, be respectful of others, Okay. So if you have a really bold expression, you don't want to be a distraction, do you? Go to the back. Knock your socks off, right? Be respectful of others. Everybody's in a different place. And then also don't ever judge others. Don't ever judge. So what's that person doing? Oh, what in the world? Come on. You're really just judging yourself when you do that. Let them alone. Let them, let them alone. As long as it isn't a disruption to the... Okay. And then uh, number five, push your limits. You want to you get better at praising God? Say, yeah. Then push your limits. Start from wherever you are. Your hand's in your pocket. Just slip it out a little bit and just keep pushing your limits. Keep pushing. Do what's in your heart to do, but keep pushing your limits. But don't keep it on the inside. What's the best way to increase your strength? You either increase the weight or you do more reps. Right, fellas? Okay. You want to get better at worship? Either increase the weight or do more reps. Okay. We're intended to grow in this regard, and you want to do it. So, what about in private? Well, I have five things for you. It'll go a little quicker. First, make a decision that you want to praise God. Surprise. Just make a decision. You want to praise God and tell God about your decision. I want to praise God. I want to try this. I want to see if he's right. I want to see if the Bible's right. I want to try this. I want to praise God. I want to praise you. I'm ready to praise you. Second, create an environment of praise. See, what's different about in private is it's nobody. You've got to fix your own meal, right? Nobody's going to do that work for you. You've got to set your own table of praise, worship to God. And you really need three things. You need time, you need space, and you need stuff. By that, I mean you need, I think you need to be deliberate about a time in your day or your week or however you want to order it where you say, I just want to, I just want to praise God. Let's see what happens. Set up some time, some space. The more solitary, the better, right? Because then you don't have to worry about people hearing you or judging you or your own self-consciousness. 
And then you need stuff. I mean, stuff like music or the word. And really, our worship songs are just the word of God set to tunes, right? I mean, you need, you need some fodder, some revelation of God in his name so that you have something to connect with and praise. And then, uh, so that brings number three, connect with one or two points of praise and let them resonate inside you. Just let something stir inside you. You know, maybe you're playing a, playing a song or something on your 8-track there or whatever, you know, and you're listening to it, and, and it's just, there's, something, there's a phrase in there that just gets you. Don't they do 8-tracks anymore? <laughs> you, but there's just something that gets you. Let it get you. Let it grab you. Let it grab you. Let it grab you. Dare to let it, a truth of the Scripture grab you. And make you emotional. Stir inside of you. And then express your inner stirring. Bring your inside expression to the outside. Get it out. Do not be content to think it. Get it out. Get it out. And then number five, guess what it is? Push your limits. Push your limits. Push your limits. Push your limits. Because here's what's going to happen. The more you push your limits on the outside, the more you push your limits on... What's happening in here is going to be a reflection is going to be a true reflection, a reflection of what's going on there. And then, uh, yes, my dear. Um, this probably wouldn't be a great time for that, just to, for the sake of everyone here, okay? It's one of those things where I have to say, whatever's on your mind may not be on the mind of everyone, and I'm not getting any leading from the Lord to depart. So what I want to do is finish this message, and if something happens then, then there you go. Thank you. Okay, so the bottom line is simply this. You are created for praise. You were created for praise. You're created for praise. It is in your nature to praise God. It is in your nature to praise God. You want to do it. You want to do it? And uh, your best life will come as a result of cooperating with the full work of Christ, including restoring the functionality of your intended created creation, right? God wants to do that. He wants, to, he, wants to, he wants to produce the fellowship between you and him. He wants to receive your praise and release power. It's part, I've read this Bible from front to back many times, and I'm persuaded that what I'm saying is true. And you need Christ to come in and launch this in your life. Has anybody here ever messed up their computer so bad that it had to be restored to its original factory settings? Right? <laughs> Me too. And that's really what salvation is. Is this, you know, the original factory settings have been broken by sin, right? And Christ has come, died on the cross for you. Press that reset button and get you back to the intention of your created order. Father in heaven, uh, we thank you for your love and grace, your mercy, your wonder in our lives. And now we pray, Father God, in the power of the Holy Spirit, for you to come and make yourself, uh, make yourself. Uh, known among us, Lord. Make your name known. Be jealous for your own name so that, O Lord, we can respond to that and extol your name and celebrate your name. Power of God come. Lord, I know that there are men and women and young people in this this place who want to believe that this message is true. That, in fact, we should, Father, be people who can release this praise and Hear you call back to us in power. And so I just welcome you, Lord. Welcome you. Everybody in the room knows what we're going to do next. We're just going to spend some time praising you, God. So come.
Reveal your name, something about your character, your wonder, your holiness, your righteousness to each of us so that we can give you the praise that's due your name. And we just pray now in the name of Jesus. Amen.